0: Okay, so today we are on the third part of our study through glorification. We have, uh, in part one, looked at Romans chapter 5, verses particularly verses 2 through 5, and there we were looking at this virtuous cycle of our hope for God's glory, um, this reality that as believers we will endure suffering, and that as we endure suffering, it helps for us to uh, grow in our patience, in our endurance, and that uh, continues to work on our character, and as as it does, um, it um, builds in us an ability, a capability to have a deeper hope in, in, in God and God's glory. And then when greater suffering comes, it just continues to refine us and sanctify us. We looked at Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through uh, verses 30 last week. <clears throat> a couple of things in particular that um, I would just remind us of is... Um, As he continues making this link in Romans between um, our our being uh, heirs with Christ and and heirs of his glory, Um, so long as we uh, suffer with him, there's this kind of tight coupling, it seems, of of suffering and um, the hope for the glory that awaits us. this, I think, reminds us that the Christian life is not an easy walk, that we should not um, come to Christ expecting life to just now be a breeze and be easy. There will be, um, there will be struggles that come to us, um, but ultimately we have an anchor that's fixed in the promises of God, an anchor that is fixed ultimately in in the reality that no matter what we endure individually or collectively, uh, that those moments of suffering, uh, when we see Christ literally face-to-face, like, like we're literally going to see Christ face-to-face, not figuratively, but literally you will lay your eyes on Christ and He will lay His eyes on you. You will uh, wrap your arms around Him f- like f- not figuratively but, but very r- like you will hold your Savior and He will hold you and, and as we consider that and we consider that all creation longs for this day along with us that all creation has been subjected to futility in hope for this promise that one day God will make new and will restore all things that were good that he will give us new bodies some of the questions that start coming should naturally start coming when we start thinking about the resurrection is what does that look like Right? what does it look like um, and we're going to start looking at that today, so um, if you will turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35. So um, today when we think about glorification, glorification ultimately being the the finalization of this process that God has begun began in us, um, that one day we have this promise that He will um, raise us from the dead, that we will share, participate in the glory of Christ, Christ like co-heirs with Christ what a crazy thought um, that is that that we um, broken sinners that we are would um, be granted such a great privilege and honor um, to share in Christ's glory and to uh, share in this resurrection that he himself is the first fruits of and as we look at that today I would encourage you to go and read all of 1st Corinthians chapter 15 uh, this text uh, as I was kind of mentioning before uh, before we got started with class this morning this text in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 if you want to know um, what it is that the christian faith um, lives and dies by it is that christ was raised physically bodily from the grave Um, and if you were to be an enemy of the cross and you wanted to um, undermine our entire faith uh, prove to me that christ is still dead in the grave and that would do the trick um, Prove to me, and here's the thing, you would think that it would be pretty easy because when people die, people stay dead, right? Um, but So you would think that the advantage would be yours, but um, time after time after time as, as uh, enemies of the cross press into this reality, which should be an easy win for them, what well, you find so many times is that as, folk, as folks press in on this one thing, um, is that this is the that, that when you come to the reality of knowing that um, Christ did rise from the dead, um, then all the claims that Christ made about who he was um, seem to be elevated because he has done what is in fact impossible, right Um and his resurrection being different than any other um, seeming resurrection in scriptures um, to the extent that I would classify anyone in scriptures who came back from the dead apart from Christ was effectively resuscitated, right? Because they died again, okay? And the resurrection of Christ, what we find is a different kind of body. Now, this body, there's a, and, and what we're going to see as we dig in, we're going to start in verse 35 today, what we're going to see as we dig in is that there is a continuity between who you are now and who you will be then. There's a continuity. What do I, what do I mean? Is that if, if you were to draw a line through your life and there would be a clear point where there would seem to be an end to that line at the grave. Right, So this line that is you, who you are running into the grave and then something coming out the other end. Either there's nothing or what we claim about Christ is true and and there's this intermediate state that we've spoken about when we were talking about death that we will find ourselves in. Ultimately in that intermediate state looking forward to the hope of the promise of the resurrection in which that line continues on and who you are here That when I'm speaking about the continuity of this life to the next, who you are here, you're not... Okay, so I need to be careful. You are different there, right? But it's still you, right? We have a hope for transformation. Right, that, that all these things that weigh me down, all these sins that hinder me, I will be freed from. There's real transformation there. Um, but there is a clear continuity between who I am and what I do now and who I am and what I will do there. Right. Um, this is what we're going to see as we kind of dig through this text. He uses um, here the analogy um, of, a, of a kernel that's placed in the ground. And what happens there, um, I I want us to be aware that all analogies when speaking about these types of things, you can stretch too far, you can stretch too far, Um, so we need to be careful not to stretch them farther than where the text um, allows them to go, but what we see in this is just as you take a seed and you place a seed in the ground, and that seed begins to grow... There's continuity between what that seed was about prior to going in the ground and what, and what comes out of the ground. Ex- example, you're not going to take a watermelon seed, planted in the ground, and anticipate that apple trees grow from it, will you? Right, this that continuity. You're, even your expectations about what will come up from the ground hold to that that the the continuity between what that seed was before you put it in the ground and what you expect it to become right so there's a similar continuity uh, between our lives here um, and the lives that we live further on this is important um we're going to start in 30 we're not going to start in 35 we're going to come back to 35 But i just want you to kind of go down to the bottom of chapter 15 um, and we're going to look at verse thir- or verse 58. Why am I making such a big deal of this continuity between this life and the next? Um, well, the text makes a big deal of the continuity between this life and the next. Um, in verse 58, he says, all these things that we're going to look at here in a moment, um, he comes to this conclusion. Therefore, my beloved bro- brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing... That in the Lord, your what? Your labor is not in vain. So, your laboring, your efforts in this world are somehow connected with our hope of this future glory, our hope in the resurrection, right? So, have you ever found yourself laboring for the Lord and only you and the Lord know? that you're doing this particular effort? Have you ever found yourself laboring like that? Have you ever found yourself laboring in such a way that it's like, if it's only for this life, this is like, it's for nothing. It's for absolutely nothing. Your labor is not in vain because the life that you live in Christ here, and this is one of those places where I think that um, oftentimes in the in the the church of 2022, we find ourselves with this understanding of eternity, where we have no conception of now. What do I mean by that? Is that many of many of us either we hold to this reality now or we've held to it at some point in the past believe that somewhere after the resurrection all that ever happened here will be forgotten right my mother even says we didn't know each other and that's you know that's the yeah it's i was and how how, how, how many of you have had that? Have have when we here's the here's why here's why we tend to come to that conclusion. Here's why we come to the conclusion that we must forget about this world. One, we underestimate the magnitude of God's glory. I think that's a major one. Okay, um, and and that leads us to thinking that the traumas of this world will be too great for us to have any memory of them. In the next, right? Um, when you think about that, think about your thought in eternity, praising a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, and ask yourself the question: will, will we be looking at one another there, saying, "What was he slain for?" Right? What was he slain for? Why are we? Why do we sing this song? 10,000 years on now when we've all forgotten what He was slain for. Right? Don't you think that the pop of your worship would be diminished if you didn't know what He had redeemed you from? We'll be singing the song of the redemption. Think about how excited we get think about how God saved us from our singing now. Yeah. Yeah. That how deep our sin is. I still wonder wondering, we'll know even more how deep our sin is. Yeah. Separating us from Christ. So, I think that we can get glimpses in Scripture to the reality of what our memories might look like. In eternity, and this is why I say, like, it's important for us not to look over mundane things in the text, especially when it's when it's literally the resurrected Jesus that it's telling us about, right? So we look at these things, we see these things, we draw out from the text what is true, so that we don't come to these conclusions that I think that. Um, Sometimes we come to because we underestimate just what it will be like when we lay our physical eyes on our physical Savior and we know that He will draw near to us for all eternity, physically near, as well as spiritually and internally near to us. Um, So because we can't fathom it, we throw away the idea that, that I would remember this hurt that I've felt today Because that would that would seem as though to be, um, that would it would seem to be impossible, right? And then we'll look to scriptures like, is he not going to wipe away our tears? Is he not going to wipe away our tears? There's a reason that you have them, right? Like think about that. Think about that. There's a reason that you have them, and. I would go so far as to say, like Romans, like where we were looking at last week in chapter 8, where you get this, this positioning of our current sufferings and God's glory that's going to be revealed to us side by side and Paul coming to the conclusion here on earth that it's not worth comparing. How much more when all that we've hoped for comes to fruition, right? How much more on that day... When we look around us at the multitudes of 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 once dead men and women who have now been embodied in imperishable bodies, and that I can look at Dustin on that day and I can be like, "Dude, your work was not in vain," and you'll amen it in a different way on that day, right? All that that we went through together, guys, it was not in vain. And we'll rejoice together in a deeper, more intimate way on that day because it's a hope that we have now. Right? And we hold tightly to that hope. But man, when that hope becomes like Physical reality. When God brings an end or a new beginning to this work that He's doing, man, it will it will transform us. So, um, when He's giving us this, um, laying out these truths for us here, uh, I want us to see in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse. 58 here, that ultimately he's kind of driving this towards this idea that um, that out of this knowledge of our hope for the resurrection, that he can encourage us to be steadfast, to be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because we have a particular knowledge of truth. Right, knowing that in the Lord your work is not in vain. Do you know that to be true? Then the labors that are only between you and the Lord here will not be forgotten because it's in His mind that they're fixed. Okay, so now let's go back up and we're going to kind of look at this as he's kind of um, unpacking these, this reality of the bodily resurrection back in verse 35. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. Um, I'm going to try to make good time through this. There are going to be a couple of places that I stop and point out some details just for the sake of clarity. I would encourage you to go back through and spend more time after class um, reading this, studying it, considering the the realities of what he's saying here. Um, Today's class, um, as we dig through this, my target is I want to lay the groundwork for next week's class. Okay. Um, so if you if you're here for this one and you miss the next one, I'll catch it on the podcast. Um, this one's targeting the next one, right? Because ultimately, when you think about your future hope, I want you to look at the resurrected Christ, right? When you think about your hope for the future, I want you to look. At Him, I want you to fix your eyes on Him. When you think about the glory that you will share with Him, look to Him. Okay. So what we're looking at today, we're trying to set this groundwork. Um, we're trying to kind of um, shed some of the misconceptions that we might have in our own minds about what eternity looks like and start building up this reality that Scripture sets out for us, that I think in many ways... Um, so, like, example, like Mom mentioned a second ago, um, and and the way that Grandma looks at that is not an uncommon view. I think that... Um, at least as I've grown up in the church in the area, I, I hear that, I have heard that view over the years that we won't know each other or that we will, like, that, like essentially this memory wipe hypothesis about eternity, um, that I think that that's a very common view. And I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about what it would be like if you just forgot Everything. Um, how many of you have anybody that you care about on this side? How many of you have experienced moments on this side together with those individuals that were just like euphoric, that were like, like this, this points my eyes towards something greater, right? Um, and now you forget about it. Now you 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 may miss out you may um, miss out on a lot of pain because you forgot about everything, but you're going to miss out on much rejoicing having forgotten as well, right? This is like the throwing the baby out with the bathwater here, right? This is seeing God is not at you when you hold a view like that. I think that you you are underestimating who God is, what God can do. Um, in a similar way that we can encourage one another when we're going through trials in this life. Right? Like, y'all have all experienced it. That you've gone through something difficult, something trying, and a human being, flawed as they might be, comes alongside you, encourages you in that moment and you make it through the pain is lessened by a mere human being coming alongside you who you don't look to them as you're not god i know your failings because most of the time the people that draw near like that you know them intimately enough to know how broken they themselves are but when they draw next to you when they draw close to you in those moments it has a way of lifting your spirits Now consider the God that created you, that formed you, that had his eyes set on you for all eternity drawing near to you like that. And tell me that that he can do less than what human beings can do for us. Why would he be wiping your tears away? Yes. Yes. Why would he be wiping your tears away? Because I know of the resurrection, mm-hmm. um, I also think about the people who um, are lost and go to hell. Yeah. So, you know, if, so so what yeah. I, so that's a that's two, There's kind of two realities that come up, and one is that that if I hold on to a knowledge of my pain, then there can't be joy. And one, if I hold on to the knowledge of those who have rejected him, finally and completely, that I can't be, um, that I, that, that my joy will somehow be hindered. Or how will it? Yeah. Be with yeah. That's just where my yeah. Heart- so um, that's. The truth th- will make you. Yes. Regardless <laughs> of what that. Means. Yes. That that there's there's a hope here that it's like here's because there's a reality like the the difficult question it's someone that you loved deeply here, and they rejected completely to the end. How can you, in eternity, praise and worship God, knowing that they have rejected him and are not participating in? these, yeah yeah these are the types of questions that cause us to say well that's impossible so I need to forget about everything because in our flesh we struggle giving God the full weight being the object of our worship yeah our flesh wants to come back to us constantly it's a, yeah. it's a tug and pull until we get there yeah and so we'll be we'll be nursing our feelings on this side yeah but there will be like... The worship will just be so pure. Yeah. He's so worthy. Consider this, consider this also. Um, is it true that God knows all truth? Right? God knows all truth. Okay? So if if that's kind of line item number one. Truth is, is that there are those who will be in hell eternally. Therefore... God who knows all truth will know eternally of those suffering in hell. Okay, so this the same Jesus that's raised from the dead, who's walking with you eternally in heaven, who is God in the flesh, walking among us, will know eternally every name of every individual who he's formed with his hands, who he holds together, who will be suffering. So God, if if God wiped everyone's memory, it's impossible for an all-knowing God not to know. Right? So all of you have forgotten, and yet the Savior who got you there will eternally know and eternally rejoice with you unhindered, unhampered by that knowledge. That's got to be true. That's got to be true. Because God can't unknow it. Right? He knows all truth. Therefore, i come to the conclusion that he knows something now that you and i do not know right and and the connection that i make that scripture seems to make is that the glory that will be revealed to us is of another kind altogether we can understand glory increasing in glory right so that he can tell us these things and we can get like a glimpse but we've not experienced that glory that causes all other things to be washed away right so there's something that we know must be true that 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 none of us have fully experienced yet okay We know it must be true. How do we know? The same way that we know truth about God in general, we look at it in the book. Right? We look at it in the text. And it would seem that suffering is going to be common amongst us as believers, and yet you will hold fast to the end in this hope. Because God is faithful even when you're not faithful. Right? So there are. Here's the reality about where we're going to go with this. There are truths that hold that the, the broadest minds amongst us will have difficulty working out the contention between truths. And I, I think that, like the reality that God, that there will be those who suffer eternally, um, is one of those difficult questions. Right. And we work at it in different ways, like some would work to the point to where they would say, they would come to one side of this. And, and I don't hold to this at all. I want to make that clear before I say it. OK. Um, and I'll tell you why I tend to not hold to that. So some would approach that question and they would say, well, when they've paid their due, God will annihilate them. Right, so they will not exist anymore. Like that's one approach to trying to answer this: that you won't have to worry about your loved one um, or the untold numbers of loved ones that will be have shared connections between those in heaven, because once they've paid their due, they'll be they'll be annihilated, and so there'll be a point where you won't have to think about them anymore there's several reasons why I don't think that that holds um, the first of which I don't think scripture can support it um, an, an, another thing to consider is um, if you're not saved on this side right if you're not in the process of being sanctified before that like final curtain call um, if you couldn't make yourself right on this side what makes you think you'll make yourself right on the next? Right? Sinners sin. And do you think that you will sin less when you're punished for sin as a sinner? Or do you think that eternally you will find yourself in opposition to God? God punishing you fairly because he's not an unjust judge. Yet from his fair punishment comes more hatred from the heart of the sinner. Sinner which calls upon itself punishment from a just judge right sinners in eternity will not become anything less than sinners apart from the work of Christ like this is a this is a reality and i think that like as we in that transition Um, see Him more clearly, understand His majesty, get a glimpse of this glory that we hold to, this promise, that these things combined will likely change the way that we think about the things that God does. We will see more as God sees and less as we see there. We need that work today, right? We need Him to do that work on us today. So ultimately, I think that He will complete that work, so that like as He glorifies us, and we didn't get as far. We're going to push the, we're going to push six or seven, seven more minutes into this. Um, But I think ultimately, is like this transformation is brought into like its fullness. This thing that we hope for. Um, that not just our physical bodies, but the way that our bodies think about God, the way that our minds think about God. We're going to see a particular place here in this text, and that's why I want to go to it, where it talks about like fleshly bodies and spiritual bodies. And um, Oftentimes, when we think of spiritual bodies, we think of ghosts, right? But that's not what the hope that we have for, is not to become ghosts, but to become new bodies empowered by the spirit where now you are new new spirits <laughs> who are still tied into these dead and dying bodies right so like you are we yes we're being renewed daily but what does it say our, our bodies are just yes. yes 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 <laughs> and one day those bodies will be they will look like the body that we see in Christ And they will be empowered by the Spirit, unhindered by sin, so that our minds will work better, our thoughts will align with God's thoughts. So I'm going to to read as quickly as I can right now. Y'all be patient with me. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? This is the question we've been asking. Um, You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Now, uh, for not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans and another for animals and another for birds and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. Um, here I think heavenly bodies is speaking to like uh, like stars, moon, earth. I think that, that, that um, we come to that conclusion because of what he says in the next verse, verse 41, uh, where he starts talking about sun and moon. Uh, he says, There is one glory for the sun and another for the glory of the moon and another for the glory of the stars, for all stars differ from star, uh, from star in glory, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. So he's he's using this to start making and drawing conclusions about the resurrection. That this this idea of continuity, that what you put in the ground gives you an idea, an anticipation of what's to come, and we know that all. Um, all creatures, all physical things have a type of body, right? And you, when you when you plant a particular seed, you expect a different thing to come up. Um, you don't expect fish or birds or animals um, to come up when you when you plant that type of seed. So there's we have this understanding of um, of a kind leads to another kind type of thing, um, and so it is with the resurrection of the dead. So all things all things die. Right, and what is sown is perishable. Now he starts making these. Um, so we have we have this continuity, but we have this transformation that happens as well. And he starts laying these out for us here. So uh, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. So you you are you die in your place in the ground you are you have perishable bodies you will be raised in with imperishable bodies. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. Again like this connection between what we know and experience about the bodies that we have now and the hope that we have for this glory to come. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. So there's he's showing the differences between what we experience now and what we will see when we're raised from from the dead, so um, the weakness that we have will be gone. Will be raised in power. It is sown a natural body. What is? And this is that natural versus spiritual, right? I want us to get this. It is sown a natural body. That is to say, a body driven by carnal things, right? Like how many of you get angry when you haven't eaten for a while, right? So you know what I mean here. You're driven by carnal things in that regard, right? Um, how many of you didn't have your morning coffee this morning? Just not the same person. It doesn't matter how much spirit you want to put into that. you got to wake up a little bit, right? Um, so it's sown a natural body. That's what we experience now. It is raised a spiritual body. This is not to say a bo- an immaterial body. This is not an immaterial body, but this is a body that, Driven and empowered by the Spirit. Okay, so this is what we have to look forward to. Not a body driven by by natural um, desires, but a a body driven by, empowered by uh, the Spirit. Um, We um, have a taste of this now as the Spirit leads us, right? But this will be something even on another level from that. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust, the second is from heaven. Speaking about Christ there, Uh, verse 48. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are all those who are of heaven. So, um, making this link between us and Jesus now, like we come from Adam and we should expect, um, we should expect much of the inheritance of what we've, what we've gotten from our father Adam on this side. And um, we've got this glimpse of, of what we're inheriting now from the man of heaven the second adam um and and we we have a hope that we too will um will be like him uh, verse 49 just as we have borne the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven um he then goes into um like uh, we'll, we'll just we'll just read it. We've got two minutes, um, and I'll, I'll go as fast as possible. I tell you this, brothers: flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to remember that, so that when we look at what Jesus says next week, when He's like, "Touch me, feel me," you can feel. And I'm flesh and bone, right? (laughs) So, like, what is this? What does he mean by this? He doesn't mean um, that there's that it's not a physical reality um, when we inherit the kingdom kingdom of God. He he, he's kind of looking back towards this um, idea of the first item. So, what we have now can't. But we have hope for something better. Um, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. But he just said what's laid is perishable and what's raised is imperishable. So think about that. We'll we'll touch on that next week. Uh, Behold, I tell you a mystery that not all shall sleep, but all shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. Then, or when the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, and then he kind of hinges um, these things that he's going to say on this reality, that we have a hope that one day death itself will be put to death. Therefore, my beloved brothers, verse 58, be steadfast. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Um, so we're gonna we'll stop there next week. Um, we're gonna look at a couple of places in um, Scripture where we see the resurrected Jesus. We're gonna start making ties between um, this hope that we will look like Him in the future um, at the resurrection. Um, and we'll kind of uh, wrap up this, this study uh, on glorification here. Uh, let, me, let me close this out.